Here is another powerful message from New Vision Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. To hear the rest of this series and others, join us at newvisionlife.com. I can't remember. One of, one of my boys uh, was uh, young. I think it was my oldest son, to be honest. Um, can't look over to the left. He may be over there. He was three or four. And... Uh, we were having a little disagreement going round and round about something that I wanted him to do, and he, was not, uh, he wasn't down with that. And uh, so he finally looked at me and he said, hey, hey, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> yeah, my response was not your response. It wasn't laughter. It was, was, it was very different than that. But uh, we're in the middle of a series entitled Smoke Signals, and, and what we're saying is our emotions, which we all have them. You know, we have all these different emotions, and we, we can deal with shame, we can deal with anger, we can deal with anxiety or fear or envy that we're talking about, and, and, and these emotions are, are, are really smoke from a fire. In other words, they're pointing or indicating something that's going on deeper in our heart and in our life, and so we're really trying to begin to understand when I'm experiencing this emotion, what's driving it, what's going on, because listen, your emotions are can be helpful in, in, in many ways. They're good indicators. They're just lousy bosses. And so we're going to say today that, hey, envy, you don't have to be the boss of me. And we're going to see how God's Word is going to really help us with that. But let's recap where we were last week because we split this message up into two parts because I love you and didn't want to spend eight hours last week. But if you just remember, we said envy is really, what is envy? Envy is resenting God's goodness really in somebody else's life and it's ignoring God's goodness in our own life. Envy says, you know what, I don't like the fact that you got the new house or the new car or your marriage looks to be so good and you guys seem to get along so well, or I'm envious that this is the, the fourth European cruise that you've taken in the last uh, three years. And so envy is, is really resenting God's goodness in somebody else's life, but it's ignoring what God is doing in, in our life. And we said last week that there's some dirty little secrets about envy. In other words, some things that we don't really talk about, and all of us struggle with envy or jealousy at, at some level, and it, it creates kind of a low-grade fever in our life, and you don't even really understand what's driving it. And, you, and I want to say this, as long as envy is resident in your life, you'll never really be free to the extent that God wants you to be free. And here are some dirty little secrets, just to recap what we looked at last week. Here's what envy does. When you're beginning to experience envy or jealousy, when you feel it, right? You've been on social media for five minutes, and you're starting to feel it, Right? Envy reveals spiritual immaturity. We saw that last week, that, that I'm not as mature spiritually as I thought I was. The second dirty little secret about envy is envy will rot your soul. It creates bitterness in your life, and you can never be free and never be content as long as envy's there. And envy, we, we said the third dirty little secret about envy, envy's organizational cancer. Show me a family where envy or jealousy is present. Show me a church where envy or jealousy is, is present. Uh, show me a team where envy and jealousy is present. Uh, show me a, a workplace, a business where envy and jealousy is present. And I'll show you one that's not going to be successful because envy is organizational cancer. And then the fourth thing we said last week as we came to a close, and it's the most important thing about envy and jealousy it's really this, envy is not so much horizontal. In other words, when I'm experiencing envy or jealousy, my problem is not so much with you, even though I think it is. My problem is really with God. It's vertical. Because envy says this, envy says, God, I think you made a mistake with my life. I think you made a mistake with my looks. I think you made a mistake in my marriage. I think you made a mistake in my career, all these things. And that's the problem with envy. 
So those are some dirty little secrets about envy. Now today, here's some practical application because I don't want envy to be the boss of me. But I've got to learn how to speak truth and understand what the gospel says uh, from Scripture so that I can break free so envy's not the boss of me. So let's look at a couple things today that are just super practical that I think that you can really take with you and they will help you break free from envy and jealousy so it doesn't have control uh, over you. And, and some of you might be saying, well, it doesn't. Listen, I don't deal with envy or jealousy at all. Well, you may be fueling it, right? Which is a problem we saw last week. Here's the first thing about really breaking free from envy and jealousy. Number one, you got to learn to celebrate the successes of others. Learn to celebrate the successes of others. When somebody's kid gets a scholarship and your kid didn't get, didn't get when, when you're invited uh, to your eighth straight wedding shower and you're single and you're frustrated by that, when you go to a baby shower like time and time again and you're struggling with infertility, or maybe it's every Friday at two when the email comes across your desk and there's crumble cookie and, and coffee in the break room and uh, your organization is celebrating a promotion for somebody else on your team and you're wondering, hey, hey, when's that going to happen for me? You see, the only way to break free from that or start to break free from that is really learning to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Let's look at what the scripture says here. It's a great passage, super practical. Romans chapter 12 verse 15 says this. It says to rejoice with those who rejoice, but weep with those who weep. Now, I want to keep the verse up on the screen because I want to show you... Doesn't envy do just the opposite of this? Let's look at this. What does envy do? The scripture says rejoice with those who rejoice, but mourn with those who mourn. Envy really mourns with those who rejoice and rejoices with those who mourn, doesn't it? And so if you want to starve envy in your life, learn to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. I've been waiting all morning for my South Carolina friends to send me a text. It hasn't happened. I've done it the last three years for them, but whatever. I'm not, I'm not, not bitter about that. I'm just, just saying Here's the second thing. If you want to break free from envy, here's the next step. You've got to learn to become a carnivore. You've got to learn what it means to become a meat eater. And this is so super important. I want you to lock in here for just a, just a few moments because this is not only going to be what's going to break you free from envy, but it's going to break you free from kind of every other issue in your life. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, Nick had you to, to turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Listen to what Paul says. He says, but brothers, I couldn't address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. This is a church at Corinth that Paul started, and he writes a letter to them, and it's years later. He's saying that, that really, I would have hoped that you would have grown and progressed, but, but you're still acting like babies, and you, you still need, need, need milk. He said, I fed you with milk. In other words, when I first met you, I introduced you to the gospel, I fed you milk, not solid food. For you were not ready for it. And that makes sense. Like with our, with our babies, you got a newborn baby. I mean, you, 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 don't, you, you don't take them to the chop house, right? I mean, you have a bottle. And he said, and I, I fed you because you were, you were infants spiritually. So I fed you milk because you weren't ready for solid food. But he said, here's the problem. But even now, years later, you're still not ready for it. Listen to what he says in verse 3. He says, for you are still in the flesh. In other words, you're still acting out of your old nature, this selfish nature, instead of uh, the spirit that is alive within of you. Within you. For, and then he says this. Here's how I know this. He says, for while there is jealousy and strife, in other words, while envy and strife is present, it points to something else, that you're acting out of the flesh, acting out of the, the old nature, and behaving only in a human way. I want to show you another passage of Scripture just to go a little bit deeper with this, this, this con content. 
Hebrews chapter 5. If you have your Bible, just turn over uh, to, the, to the right there. Just a little more to Hebrews chapter 5. It's a great passage, and it's going to really talk about the same thing, but go just a little bit deeper. Here's what the writer of Hebrews says. I think it's the Apostle Paul. You may disagree. We don't really know. It's okay if you want to be wrong. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 Paul says, for by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God, you need milk, not solid food. Now here's a spiritual progression, it's just real simple, right? Here's really what the writer of Hebrews is saying. When we're first introduced to the gospel, a person gives us milk so we can understand who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And then the second step in that progression is we get off of the bottle and we learn how to feed ourselves. And then the third step in the progression is we circle back and we begin to feed somebody else milk so they can be exposed to the gospel. And so when the writer of Hebrews shows up, he says, you know what, you ought to be teachers, you ought to be much further along, but you're not. You still need milk. And I, I want to tell you something. If you're, if you're here today, and this is the only time that you've been in the Word since last week, you're still on the bottle. You're never going to break free. You're just on milk. You've got to learn how to feed yourself. You've got to become a carnivore. You've got to understand what it means to be a meat eater. This is what Scripture is saying. Look at verse 13. He says, for, for everyone... For everyone who lives on, on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. In other words, they don't know how to handle the truth. And so because they are unskilled in the word of righteousness, life is just so difficult for them. Since they're a child, but solid food, here it is, meat, solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant, that's a great important word to underline in your Bible, by constant practice and distinguish, to learn to distinguish good from evil. See, we don't like that. We want, we want it now. We want it, we, want it, we want it really fast. But if you're going to become a carnivore, it's going, to take, it's going to take some work. Now, I want you to lock in here for just a few minutes, and I want to try to talk to you just as, as easily as I can to try to talk about the difference between milk and meat. Is that okay? Is that all right with you? I was waiting for a response, didn't get it, but I'm going to go ahead anyways. Milk is what's been given to you, while meat is what you learn for yourself. Milk is what someone, maybe like me, gives you. And, you know, and I'm not saying that that's not good. I, I think that can be helpful. But meat is what you learn for yourself. Because, listen, I can tell you something. I can show you something. And you can walk out of here today. And, listen, you can get spun out so quickly. But when you learn how to feed yourself, when you are, are, are trained to open up the Scriptures and study it and understand truth for yourself, then you own it. It becomes yours. And people can't take it away from you. See, that's what's so important. Now, Listen to what the scripture says, 2 Timothy 2.15. Be diligent. In other words, you need to have a plan. There needs to be a process to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, who rightly divides the word of truth. I'm pretty simple. If, uh, you know, if it's my turn to pick a restaurant, I want a steak. I'm a meat eater. That's what I like, right? And I remember when our boys were little. Like we would, you know, we occasionally we go out to a nice restaurant, order a ribeye, they bring the steak. And, and, and my, boys, my boys never wanted to order off the kids' menu. Anybody, anybody else like that? They were so offended by that. Like, dude, there's chopped steak right there. And they said, that's hamburger. No, it's, right, it is. <laughs> well, you got a ribeye. And Amy's like, that's true. Awkward. 
And so their, their, their stake would come. And so here's my sizzling stake. I'm ready, I'm, ready to, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to dig into it. And she's like, go ahead and help them cut that up. My problem, when I cut that up for them, it was never in small enough pieces as she wanted. So I had to go back and do it again. So after 10 minutes of cutting their steak, I come back and mine's cold. Like I just long for the day. When are you guys going to be able to cut your own steak up so I can eat mine while it's hot? Well, that was a great day as a parent when your kids can cut their own meat up. <laughs> what a great day for our father when we're able to rightly divide the word of God. and We can cut the meat up. Because in every circumstance, in every situation that you will ever face in your life, God's word has truth to speak directly to it, I promise you. And it's your responsibility to learn how to cut that meat up, right? Because if you just want to come and just, just grab a hit off the bottle every now and then, it's not going to cut it, man. You've got to learn to move to the meat of the word. Now, let's, 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 let's go on a little further. Milk teaches you about your justification. And you might say, well, a big churchy word, what is justification? That's your salvation. That's what happens the moment you repented of your sin and put faith and trust in Christ, that you understood that Jesus loved you and Jesus died for your sins and through belief and trust in him that you could be born again. You know, milk will teach you about your justification, but meat deals with your sanctification. You might say, well, another big churchy word, what is that? That means growing up in your salvation. That is really learning to become holy, learning to walk in obedience and to overcome sin and start to walk in victory, to step into who you are in Christ. Listen, that takes, that takes, that takes meat. You know, milk says, Jesus loves me, this I know. Meat says uh, that, that, that not only does Jesus love me, but I'm to love and to serve others as, as Christ has loved me. Milk says, Jesus forgives me. Meat says, I'm to forgive others as Christ has forgiven me. Now, here's something I want to say, and I, 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 uh, I didn't do a good job with this Thursday night, and I didn't do a good job with it in the first service, but uh, saving my best for you guys right now. <laughs> you Ready? Meat is more challenging than it is confusing. Like I hear so many people say, well, you know what? The Bible is just so confusing. And, and I can understand that to a certain extent. But hang on, we're going to give you some help here. But the real truth of it is it's not that it's so confusing. It's just more challenging. Because when you get into the Word, every single time that I get into the Word, the Word of God challenges me because I'm thinking a certain way, living a certain way, contrary to that. And the Word of God challenges It's not that it's so confusing. It's just I don't like it because it challenges me. Does that make sense? That's what meat. And meat has to be chewed on because it's like, ugh. Man, that's a challenge because the meat of God's word tells me what I'm to do with my money, and I don't like that. The meat of God's word tells me what I'm to do with my morality, and we don't like that. The meat of God's word tells us what we're still supposed to do in every single relationship and how we're supposed to care for each other, and we, we don't really like that. You know, if you're, if you're a parent, what was the first words your kids learn? Mine didn't. It was no. That's the first word my boys learn, No. Hey, guys, let's sit down. It's time to eat. No. No. Hey, fellas, it's time to go to bed. It's time to turn in. No. Need to get dressed. Can't go to school in a Batman costume. No. No, no. See, that, that, that's kind of kids. Kids don't want to be, they don't want to be challenged. It's not that what you're asking them is super confusing. It just confronts them. And that's kind of our nature. We don't want to be challenged. God's word does that. It's not, meat is not that it is so confusing. Was, I hear people say this, I just don't understand the Bible. I don't, I, I don't understand. We're, we're going to get to that. I don't think it's as confusing as you might think. What I think it is is it's challenging. 
And anytime we're challenged, we're just prone to disconnect. But that's the meat, and that's where we grow. That's where we grow. Uh, look what, what James says in James chapter 1, verse 22. It says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive you. Do what it says. Surrender to that challenge because of who God is and what he wants to do in your life. Because here's the truth. The meat of God's word will free you from envy. And it's the meat of God's word that will free you from every struggle that you have in your life. That's what Jesus said it this way. In John chapter 8, 32, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. When will I be free? When I begin to obey the truth that is revealed in the word of God. Now let's see where we are. If I want to say to Envy, hey, Envy, you're not the boss of me, I've got to learn to celebrate successes of others. Second, I, I, I've got to step into being a carnivore. Now, I want to show you something really quickly, and I can't believe I almost forgot this. We, we have done our staff. Our staff has recorded five videos. They're on our website, newvisionlife.com. Go to newvisionlife.com. It's on the homepage of our, our video, of our, of our website. We have five videos that they have recorded to help you navigate God's Word. And so whatever the question that you might have about the Bible being confusing, uh, our staff, I think, has tackled a lot of them. And so if you, they're about 10 minutes each, and if you're, if you're saying, you know what, I want to become a carnivore, I, I want to grow a little deeper in God's Word, but I'm a little confused as to how to do that, they're going to show you all kinds of resources that are available that are so easy and so free, talk about the environment that you need to have, questions you need to have when you study the Scripture, just a great study Bible to get. It's just going to help you get started as a, as a carnivore as a meat eater, and it's going to be the key for you getting off this bottle and being set free. Another thing I want to say to you guys, just, just really quickly, next Saturday morning from 8 to 12, we're going to have breakfast and, and lunch for you, and in between that, we're going to have something called Saturday School, because we've had a lot of guys respond and just ask a, a lot of questions that they, they, they kind of want to go deeper in their faith, and so we have four teachings that you can sign up for. You can take three of them. Uh, the first is going to be a, a class in apologetics, how to defend your faith. Right? And that's not so much in the workplace. That's when your four-year-old asks you a tough question about God. So how to defend your faith, apologetics. The second uh, uh, class you have a chance to sign up for, Greg and I are going to be teaching that on how to really win in the workplace. How do I, I take what the Bible says and, and really enter into the workplace and live my faith out in the workplace? And then the third is an understanding or an introduction to the Old Testament. Like the Old Testament seems so confusing. I don't understand that. It's going to give you a framework for understanding the Old Testament. And then the fourth is an introduction to the New Testament, right? Now, why are we doing that? Because I'm looking for something to do and our staff's looking for something to do on Saturday morning? No. Because we want you to be free, right? But it's going to take some persistence. So I'd encourage you just to be here for, for, for Saturday school. And like, is it going to be fun? Probably not, man. Right? Is that honest? No. But you know what? If you want to break, we got to get past getting entertained, you know, because just being entertained doesn't work. You got to go to work if you're going to be free, all right? You see that? Let's just get rid of the bottle back there, right? We're done. <laughs> Here's the third thing. I, I don't know about You're going to see how weird I am. Somebody's like, no, I already knew that. These AT&T commercials to me are hilarious. I love the AT&T commercials. My favorite commercials is on TV right now. It, just watch it. It's so, so funny. I think it's funny. Horse tattoo? Yeah. Relax, amigo. It's going to look okay. Only okay? No worries, boss. I'm one of the tattoo artists in the city. You mean one of the best tattoo artists in the city, right? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, aren't you supposed to draw it first? Stay in your lane, bro. I love that. Aren't you supposed to draw it first? Stay in your lane, bro. And my boy's like, don't say that, Dad, please. 
So weird, so weird when you say that. I love that. But, but, but here's, here's how you're going to be free from envy. You've got to learn, learn to run your race in, in your lane. Or to say it another way, you've got to stay in your lane, bro. Let's take a look at that, all right? What does it mean to stay in your lane? Because here's the problem with envy. Envy is always looking at what somebody else has got, what somebody else is doing. Envy is all about comparison. It's all about turning and looking around you and just monitoring everything that's going on. And we have, listen, here's the problem in our culture. We talked about it last, last week. It has never been more prevalent than it is today because in 10 minutes on social media, you can be aware of what 30 of your friends are doing, right? And I, I got lit up from ladies who said I was bashing social media and, and kind of, you know, painted me as a legalist and all kinds of problems. I wasn't, I had no problems, no problems with that. What I'm saying is you got to be careful to make sure it's not feeding envy. Does that make sense? No amens to that. Good. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Look at this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, there are those who have gone on that are now in the kingdom and they're rooting us on. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. In about 15 minutes, you're going to hold in your hand a representation of the body and blood of Jesus Christ who died to liberate you. And one of the key things to do when we celebrate communion is do exactly what this scripture says, is to repent of known sin, to throw off that that is entangling us. And maybe it's envy. I, I don't know. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us, here we go, here we go, here we go, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let me just stop right there. Here's what the Word of God says, that God has a race marked out for you. Do you believe that? I believe that. I believe God in his sovereignty, in his power, in his plan has a race marked out for you. And so if you've ever run track, I know what you're saying. You probably did, Pastor Brady, with the body that you have. No, I did, surprisingly enough, I did not, did not run, did not run track. But if you're going to run track, you've got to stay in your lane, right? You get out of your lane, you're disqualified. And the key to stay in your lane is fixing your eyes on a set point in front of you. If you're looking all around in comparison, you're not going to do that. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says exactly that. Fixing our eyes on what? On Christ the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, or the author and perfecter of the faith, the one who has laid a race out for you to run. Fix your eyes on him. For the joy set before him endured the cross. I love this. I have to tell you, I I love this part. What was on Christ's mind? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What What was on his mind as he's enduring the agony of the cross? Your liberation was on his mind. Does that not make you fall deeper in love with Jesus? It does me. That's so amazing. For the joy set before him, it was also the joy of obeying what his father had called him to do. Obedience brings that. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down. This is meat. When it says that Jesus sat down, listen, this was so amazing for first century Jews because they had never seen a priest sitting down. A priest was always standing up. Why was a priest always standing up? Because people were always bringing sacrifices and they were continuing to offer a sacrifice for that sin, but it was never a complete sacrifice. That's why they were standing. But when it says after the cross, Jesus sat down, what does that mean? He completed our salvation. The sacrifice that he gave was an all-sufficient sacrifice. Is that not great news? Jesus, he sat down. So that, 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 that's an example of me. Scorning it, same. He shut down, sat down at the right hand of God, the hand of, hand of power. Here's what I want you to see. What does it mean to stay in your land? 
We need to understand this. You will never be who God called you to be if you're constantly trying to run someone else's race. And I think there are so many folks today that are trying to run somebody else's race. And the problem with that is they are missing the race that God has marked out for them and for you. And that's where real joy and excitement is in. Listen, there is no win in comparison. Do you understand that? Did we say that last week? Why is there no win in comparison? Because there's always a, well, five of you. Yeah, there's always a, that's when you know you're making a difference in your teaching. Because there's always a, there's always someone who is bigger. There's always someone who is stronger. There's always someone who is pretty. There's always someone who is rich. There's never a win in comparison. And comparison is the thief of joy. So quit looking around and run your race. It's okay to be inspired by other people, but you don't have to imitate them. You've got to run the race that God has marked out for you. Now, that was hopefully somewhat motivational. But I want, to, I want to go just a little bit deeper. I want to talk about something that's super practical because what does it mean to run your race? What does it mean to stay in your lane? What does that look like? This is dangerous. If you're not going to pay attention, maybe just check out completely here because this will mess you up. I don't know everything that's in your lane. I don't know everything that's in your lane. But I know a few things that are for sure in your lane. And if you'll start focusing on them, God will reveal the other things, Right? And so let's take a look. You know, stay in your lane, bro. What does that mean? Well, here's a couple things that it means. And can I say this to you? Please listen. Please listen. You cannot outsource these things. You can't outsource these things. Man, you can outsource just about everything right now, can't you? I mean, my wife is recovering from surgery. She's sitting at home and from her recliner and her cell phone. She has finished Christmas shopping. She orders groceries. People bring what we need uh, to our house. I mean, you can outsource everything in the culture that we live in today, right? But you can't outsource these things. They are in your lane, right? Let's look at a couple of them. Now, is this everything? Please answer. Is this everything that's in your lane? No. This is the start of what's in your lane, right? Number one, daily spiritual nourishment. That's your responsibility. It's nobody else's It's your responsibility to nourish yourself on a daily basis. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, Romans chapter 12, but be transformed. How are we transformed? By the renewing of our mind. Your mind needs to be renewed every single day because the enemy is the father of lies. And everything that you see and everything that you hear, these lies just wash over you. And so you've got to learn how to renew your mind. And the only way to renew your mind is to be in the Word of God on a daily basis. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So spiritual nourishment's in your lane. It's your responsibility. It's not mine. It's not your mom's or your dad's. It's your responsibility to nourish yourself spiritually. Number two, family care is in your lane. Amen. It is your responsibility to serve her, to care for her, to encourage her. Don't outsource that. If you don't do it, she'll find somebody else who will. You cannot outsource the care of your bride. Ladies, to to love him, to respect him, to honor him. That's what it means to care for each other. That's your responsibility. It's nobody else's. Stay in your lane. We're always looking around and saying, you know, their marriage looks so great. She seems to get him, and he seems to be so attentive to her. Listen, stay in your lane. Care for the needs of your spouse. If If you're a child here today, to honor and respect your parents. That's in your lane. What does it mean to honor your parents? I mean, just walk into them t- tomorrow morning when you wake up and just go, oh, I can't believe you're my mom or dad. I'm literally blown away. That's honor, right? It'll freak them out, but just stay with it, right? To honor, to respect them. 
Hey, parents, it is your job to disciple your children. It's not the church's. Right, everybody's looking for all kinds. We have great children's ministry, great preschool ministry, great student. There's good stuff here. It's not our job to disciple your kids. It's your job to disciple your kids. You cannot outsource it. You can't outsource it. Play your part in the body. This, this, this does not go over well today. But watch this. It's true. This is in your lane. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you are part of it. When you were born again, listen, listen. I get slammed for this all the time. But it's true. When you were born again, God in his love and his care and his plan for you as his child placed you in a body so that you could be cared for, so you could be nourished. We live in a day that is just so independent, you know? And so, listen, when you're born again, you're a part of this universal church of of believers all over the world, and we share that common bond. If you were here in our 11 o'clock service last week, it's one of the most amazing things. We baptized a guy from Germany last week, Stefan, who's been watching here uh, for about the last seven or eight years. He came uh, to visit his girlfriend at MTSU, went back to Germany, visited church here, and he's been watching ever since that. He came to faith in Christ, and then he started a student ministry in Germany, bringing young guys around him from his neighborhood to gather and watch our worship services once a week and to talk to them about the truth of Scripture. It was an amazing thing. And when we saw him last week, we heard about him. When we saw him last week, it was just almost like we were family. It was just a cool experience, right? But it's not just that we're in a universal church. God places us in a local body of believers. Why? Because you don't have all the gifts. Can I just tell you that? Does that offend you? Somebody said, yeah, sorry. (laughs) You don't. That's why you need a body. You're you're supposed to be a part of it. Now you're the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Now Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, look at this. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good, good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Is that not the coolest thing? That God in eternity, in eternity past prepared works for you to do as a follower of his. Isn't that great? And so what's in your lane? In your lane is connecting to a local body of believers. It may be here. If it's here, we'd love that. That'd be great. Let's go get it. If not, there are great churches in our community. Listen, we'll point you to one, but be a part of a local body of believers and don't be a consumer, be a contributor. That's in your lane. That's in your lane. You've got to understand that. And listen, you are going to be most satisfied when you understand that. And you're supposed to discover and develop and deploy your gift for the good of the body of Christ. A lot of times people come and they'll complain to me about things we're not doing well. And I always say this. It's just kind of like spiritual judo. They'll come and they'll explain to me about certain things, problems that we have. And, and you know, the last one was, was just a new plan for our parking and all kinds of stuff. And they were just kind of letting me have it about that. He might be the dude that blew his horn at me a couple weeks ago as I was letting folks out in our parking lot. And I said, it sounds like you've got a passion for that. Sounds like God could use you there. Right? <laughs> Because what's bothering you doesn't bother me, right? You know, because you're gifted to do that well. So we'd love to have you come and serve. (laughs) Here's the fourth thing that's in your lane. Work with the right focus and attitude, whether that's in your job or you're a student, whatever you're doing right now, work with the right focus and the right attitude. I was talking to a guy this week who's a manager at a a major manufacturing plant not very far, far from here. You might have some guesses. He says, the th- you know, he says for years the thing that has bothered me, he says men and women who have worked for me, who are followers of Christ or claim to be followers of Christ, he said, they're lazy. They have a lousy work ethic. They complain. They gripe about everything. Their attitude's worse. He says they're lazier and have worse attitude than the non-believers. Listen, 
Your attitude and your focus and your work or in your school, that's in your lane right now. Why would God reveal more to you when you're not doing what he's calling you to do? Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart. It's working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. We're almost done. Let's recap. Where have we been today? If you want to say, hey, Envy, you're not the boss of me, learn to celebrate the successes of others. Learn to become a carnivore. Get off the bottle. Run your race in your lane, or to say it another way, stay in. Stay in your lane, bro. Number four, remember this is just the pregame. People aren't just leaving because they don't like the message. They're getting ready for communion. So I'm like, I'll go too. I didn't know, I didn't know we could leave. Can we leave? I'll leave. Where are you guys going? <laughs> You're watching me. I'm watching you. It's funny. Like, they're out. Do we have to stay? <laughs> hey, nothing in your life is going to be ideal. It's not. Your marriage won't be perfect. Your kids won't be perfect. Your job won't be perfect. Your health won't be perfect. There'll be some difficult days. Can I tell you some good news? This is just the pregame. So envy is just so locked into everything. Listen, you want everything. You're, you're building your kingdom here and now, and everything needs to be lined up. It needs to look like somebody else's. Again, you're looking at their highlight reels, and you're living your behind-the-scenes story, right? But it's just not. This is just the pregame. I get a kick. You, you used to, back when I was a kid, and you'd go to a college football game. I mean, a tailgate was some dude who opened his trunk and, you know, had ham sandwiches. Now, I mean, these massive tents and lights and a DJ and a wood. You know, there are some people who tell, they don't even go into the game. You know that? I mean, tailgating has become a bigger part than even watching the game. I talked to a friend. I said, how was it? I wouldn't even go in. Killer tailgate. I think they said bro, too, on the end of that. All right, see, that's how we live our life today. Can I just tell you something? Can I just tell you something? This is just the pregame. This is just the pregame, man. And it's not going to line up perfectly. L look what Paul says. For our light, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, for our light and momentary troubles. Will they be trouble? Yeah. What do we know about them? They're light and momentary. Are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Like, because what you're saying right now is it doesn't seem to be worth it right now what I'm going through. And I can understand that. It's not. But one day it will be. This is just the pregame. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. It's so important. However, it is written, what no eye has seen. What no ear has heard, what no mind has conceived, these are the things God has prepared for those who love them. Knowledge of the future, watch this, knowledge of the future will keep you content in the present. If you don't have knowledge of the future, you'll be envious and jealous of everything that everybody else has because it's not lining up perfect for you. Remember, it's just the pregame. Last thing and we'll be done. Here we go. If I want to say, hey, envy and jealousy, you're not the boss of me, I learned to celebrate with the successes of others. I'm learning what it means to be a carnivore. I'm starting to learn how to feed myself. I'm running my race in my lane. I remember this is just a pregame. And then finally, never forget this. Never forget this. Jesus is enough. He's enough. Can I tell you something? If you aren't content right now with where you are, you won't be content with where you want to be. I promise you. Because Jesus is enough. Paul David Tripp says this. It's an amazing quote. 
He says, envy is ultimately an awe-of-God problem. Envy is ultimately an awe-of-God problem. Because why is this? Because our problem with envy is not horizontal. It's not just for the other people that have more than, than we do. It's ultimately us saying, God, why? Why didn't you give me this? It's a problem with him, and we've lost sight of the awe of who he is. Can I tell you something about our God just for a moment? Just for a moment. Our Savior spoke everything that we see around us into existence by the word of his mouth. Let me tell you something. That is power. He walked out of the grave to defeat sin and death. That is power. He can take every circumstance and situation in your life and redeem it and bring hope. That is power. Envy is ultimately an awe of God problem. And if we're going to say, envy, you're not the boss of me, we need a fresh, clear vision of this risen and this powerful and this this redeeming Christ. Because envy begins to die. Look at this. Envy dies when you remember what you deserve in light of what you've been given. Envy will start to die when you remember what you deserve. Can I tell you what I deserve? Listen. Hell, death, separation, punishment. I know who I am. I don't know everything about you. I know who I am. And I know what I deserve. And envy begins to die when you remember what you deserve in light of what you've been given, a pardon, his presence, a future that is secure. That changes everything. Can I, can I tell you something? If Jesus isn't enough, nothing else will be. I promise you that's true. I promise you that's true. Some of you today would say, you know what? I want that. I want that. It can be yours. Would you bow with me? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, and maybe you're saying, I have lived most of my life, God, just being envious, jealous of other people, lacking contentment. But today, I finally realize what I deserve, and I think I'm beginning to realize what you offer. And would you tell Jesus this? Jesus, I believe you died to release me from my sin. I deserve death. But if you're offering life and forgiveness and hope, my trust is in you. I surrender to you. Father, thank you for this moment in time. Now, thank you for this sacred time as we hold these elements in our hand and are reminded of what we deserve. We're reminded of what you went through to give us this freedom. We pray that you would stir our souls and our heart to a whole new level of awe of who you are. And God, we'd begin to walk in greater levels of freedom than ever before. Because envy is not the boss of us because Jesus, your word is a greater truth. And we believe that. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we'd like to invite you to one of our Sunday morning services. We meet at 820, 940, and 11 a.m. If you would like more information or would like to watch or listen to more of our services, please visit us online at newvisionlive.com.
This broadcast is brought to you by New Vision Baptist Church, where our mission is guiding people to lives of gospel transformation. 